0: Thank God for our ministered family. Thank God for our band. As we were worshiping this morning, I hope you were uh, excited about the message of hope that we have. You know, it's so easy. I, I bet yesterday some of you didn't have any difficulty whatsoever getting excited whether you thought Georgia had any hope or not. They kind of messed up my hopelessness illustration, but anyway, if you, whether you thought they had hope or not, you didn't have a hard time getting excited about that. But you know, if whether or not your team loses or wins on a Saturday affects how you worship on Sunday, you've got to be careful. That's borderline idolatry. Now don't get me wrong, I get into the games too. And uh, I get into my daughter's tennis matches. You're just not allowed to, to yell as loud at those tennis matches. Um, I enjoy those things. But If nothing else, this time of year ought to remind us what's most important, what we should always be passionate about, and that is the greatest victory that was ever won when Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. That should be what drives us every day of our life. And We're going to talk about that hope for a few more minutes this morning, so if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 25 through 35 by way of introduction I want to read verses 29 through 32 in this text. And we'll see Simeon's praise, this great prophet who had an opportunity to meet and hold the Messiah as a servant of God. And he said these words as a result of that encounter with this Child, Jesus, the Messiah, he said, Now, Lord or Master, you can dismiss your slave or your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in in, in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus, we thank you for the hope of the world, Jesus, who came in to make all the difference in this world, to give us a hope today and a new confidence a new outlook on life that many of us need. We pray that you would now remind us of the hope we have in Christ and move us to be messengers of that hope in this world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. In 1982, Secretary Brezhnev, the leader of the Soviet Union, up until that point, passed away. And this man, this this leader uh, of, of a communist empire at that time, and one who had promoted atheism as part of the communist movement, was now lying in a casket, and people were coming to say their last goodbyes. And his wife stood by, George H.W. Bush, who was vice president, went to represent President Reagan and represent the United States at Brezhnev's funeral. And he said he was blown away by what he saw as he watched Secretary Brezhnev's wife stand there quietly and respectfully while others paid their last respects. And then he said, she went to say her final goodbye and on the chest of her husband, she reached in. This man who had promoted atheism and and, and communism as a way of life and, and one who had made sure he had done away with any symbol or sign of religion that he could find in this nation, anything that he had authority to do away with, he had done away with it and now his wife reaches in in tears and makes a sign of the cross on brezhnev's chest and george h w bush as vice president said that that just captured his heart and his attention because he saw that even in the most desperate situations people wanted to know that there was hope And that the cross of Jesus Christ meant something. As Pastor Ben reminded us, understanding Israel's hope in looking forward to Messiah, we are often helped by understanding our hope in looking for the second advent. See, their hope in Old Testament times was all looking forward to the first advent and Jesus coming into this world, or whoever Messiah would be. They didn't understand So much, and and they missed out on so much. And those of us who are walking with Christ long for His second appearing, His second coming to make all things right, make all things good. But nothing devastates the soul like hopelessness, nothing causes us. To experience that dark night of the soul like hopelessness. When we believe that life situations or life itself will never get better. You ever been there? So many in our world are there today. Hopelessness. Life offers grief, life is going to give you broken hearts. Whether you're a believer or not, we have disease and debt and injustices, mental stress and mental illnesses, financial strain. And for those of us who look back over the recent days of our life and we say, you know, well, Pastor Robbie, I've actually been pretty blessed. Even sometimes those blessings can give us an overwhelming sense of hopelessness that we will be the stewards God's called us to be with those blessings, that we'll do the right thing, that we'll stand before him and hear the well done of God. When we come to Luke chapter 2, it had been 400 years since the book of Israel's hope was closed, 400 silence years between the last minor prophet and the coming of Jesus Christ. And John says in John chapter one, which gives us the kind of the theological perspective on Christmas, says at that point that the Word was with God and was God. That that Word was also the Light of the world. In and, and Him, in Jesus, the Word that was with God and was God and became flesh, He says, in Him was life, and the life was the Light of men. And light and life are always representative of hope, and so when we consider death and darkness, it it robs us of our hope, but when we think of light and life, we think of hope, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and life and light, and to give us new images in the new covenant of hope. Now, We can talk about going through difficult seasons of life, and even those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, you've discovered that the Bible is true when it says it rains on the just and the unjust, right? And so there aren't just unbelievers who are experiencing seasons sometimes of hopelessness. So how do we show hope to a world that needs to see hope when often we're going through the same things the rest of the world's going through? And and the way we respond is so much differently that they can see something in us. And as we look at the life of Simeon, who had longed for the hope and who had been promised he would see the hope of Israel, we learned something. First and foremost, we learned that hope equals seeking with anticipation. Simeon was seeking Christ with anticipation. In verse 25 it says, there was a man in Jerusalem and his name was Simeon. And usually when the scriptures tell us his name was or her name was, that name is actually significant. The name Simeon means to listen or to hearken, pay attention, to to, to listen carefully and see something and, and learn something. The passage tells us that Simeon was righteous and devout. And his looking for the Messiah, looking for the hope of Israel, he was paying very close attention. Hoping for something doesn't mean just passively wishing that it would happen. There's a difference between biblical hope and passive wishing that we make, maybe when we blow out a, a, a birthday candle on a birthday cake. Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah had prophesied in verse 11, I know, speaking of Israel, I know the plans that I have for you. And, and so they were hoping for days of prosperity. But then in verse 13, we often leave this one out when we claim verse 11. He says, seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And those who were not looking for him missed. And I believe in the same way in the second advent, in the return of Christ, those who weren't, aren't looking for him are going to miss out on that second coming. But he was looking. In in Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, hope is defined this way. He says, in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Why would we hope for what we see? In, In verse 25, he says, if we hope for something, we eagerly wait for it with anticipation. What does anticipation mean? Anticipation means we know that it's going to happen. It's coming. This is going to take place. It is. I am so sure of it now that I'm eagerly waiting for it with anticipation. He was also a man who was in tune with the Spirit of God. It says that he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. That's Israel's comfort, Israel's hope, everything they had been longing for. And it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit had told him that this was going to take place in this lifetime, in his lifetime. And so he had the Spirit of God, he had the old covenant, he had God speaking to him through the Spirit, and so he had the Word of God and the Spirit of God guiding him as he was seeking God with anticipation. When we go back to the Old Testament, we have to consider that all the way back to when man and woman found themselves hopeless, Adam and Eve, cast from the garden... They had heard a promise from the very beginning of of their hopeless estate that the seed of a woman was going to crush the head of the serpent. That was a picture from the very first human beings. They had heard a word from God that a Messiah, a virgin-born Messiah, was going to come and crush the devil's works, the devil's hold in this world. In chapter 12 of Genesis, that early in Scripture's, They had learned that this Messiah was going to be of the lineage of Abraham. It was going to be the seed of Abraham. We learn in the Old Testament that Jesus is going to come from the tribe of Judah. We learn that Jesus was going to be born in the city of David, as one of the children said a moment ago, in Bethlehem. We learn that Jesus is going to be born of a virgin. The Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi zooms in like a telescope, getting closer and closer and closer, showing us that Jesus Christ was that virgin-born Messiah, the hope that Israel had so longed for. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, we're reminded that the hope is not just something that now we look forward to, but now that we have when he says that eye has not seen nor ears heard nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. We often quote that passage looking forward to heaven, don't we? But Paul quoted it to the Corinthian church saying this is what was fulfilled when Jesus came into the church when he comes into your life The relationship you have with Christ beginning this side of heaven, oh, I'm glad that it goes on into heaven and, and that we have it forever and ever in a perfect place one day. But that hope was realized when they entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we're seeking Him and experiencing that relationship, we discover something in that is that He has already sought us out. And He is the revelation. He is the one who came and made Himself known to us so that we might have a relationship with him. A beautiful tension in Scripture, God seeking us and revealing himself to us, but desiring for us to seek him. Not hope in this life only. Now listen, Scripture does tell us, Paul told the church at Corinth, if we have hope in this life only, we're of all men most miserable. So I'm glad that we have an eternal hope. But we also know that that hope impacts this life as well. It's not hope in this life only, but it is hope in this life as well as hope in eternity because we have Jesus Christ who is the hope of the world. People are hungry for hope. People are giving up on hope left and right. Some of you this morning may feel hopeless and you need something to seek. When we begin to seek him, we discover that he is that hope Of the world. There was a millionaire by the name of Eugene Lang who was speaking to a group of sixth graders in East Harlem, one of the most impoverished areas. And he he knew that according to statistics, most of these sixth graders would never graduate from high school. And so he was speaking to them on the importance of staying in school. And he and he just kind of threw this out there, probably knowing the percentages, knowing that it wouldn't cost him that much. The self-made millionaire said, listen, for all of you who will stay in school and graduate from high school, I will help make sure you go to college. I'll help you pay for college. And of that group of sixth graders that he spoke to, 90% of them, he flipped the odds. 90% of those sixth graders graduated from high school. Why? Because they had considered themselves and probably had been indoctrinated by their own Parents and their own surroundings that their state was hopeless, but somebody spoke hope into their life, gave them something to look forward to, and when they received that, they sought it, they looked for it. When we begin to seek Christ and we understand what His Word has already promised us that He is the hope of the world. And that we can look forward to his second coming just like we look forward to his first coming. It will impact the way we seek him every day. We'll begin and end our days desiring to seek God, to seek his favor, to seek his face, to know him, to walk with him, and to experience the fullness of joy that comes when we have embraced the hope of the world and walk hand in hand with him. Secondly, this morning, we learned from Simeon that hope equals serving with an awareness. And verse 27 in this passage, we see that he was guided by the Holy Spirit. Not only was the Holy Spirit upon him, but it says, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents, speaking of the parents of Jesus here, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God. God. Simeon was serving with an awareness of God's presence in his life and an awareness of God's presence when Jesus Christ. Now we have not only that part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit that's on him and guiding him, now we have the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, God the Son Himself, is in his midst and he is aware, keenly aware of this because of the Spirit's leadership of what was going on at this time. He was serving where he was called to serve, doing what he was called to do when he encountered the hope of the world. We miss out on hope when we're not doing what we're called to do when and where God calls us to do it. Ephesians chapter 1 reminds us, That we're not only sealed by the Holy Spirit, but that when we believe in Jesus Christ and we put our faith and trust in him, the Holy Spirit becomes God's guarantee in us, the Holy Spirit living us, sealing us to the day of redemption, but he becomes God's guarantee in us of the inheritance that's to come. So there's this new awareness that we're living our lives with. I think that's why when you get to chapter 5 of Ephesians, after we've been promised this ceiling, this guarantee, he says, keep on being filled with the Spirit because as we're being filled with the Spirit, we live and serve with an awareness of his presence and of the hope that he offers. In fact, I will go as far as to say this it is very difficult to remain hopeless and spirit filled at the same time. I mean, it really is. It is difficult to serve God with an awareness of His Spirit working in your life, and while you're doing that, remain hopeless. Instead, we just sit back passively and we wait on inspiration and say, God, I'm just waiting on you to move me. And God says, I've already given you my holy spirit i've given you a call i've given you a place to serve i've given you a family to serve a community to serve i've given you a mission and as you go about that you're going to become so aware of my presence and instead of waiting on the hope and the inspiration you begin to serve and the hope just naturally becomes a part of the overflow of your service he was in the temple at those verses we read a moment ago when he says lord You can now dismiss your servant in peace. You can call me on home to glory now because I've been doing what I was called to do. It's as if Paul were saying, I've fought the good fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished the race. My eyes, he says in verse 30, have seen your salvation. My hope has been realized because I was walking with you and walking with awareness of your spirit and serving you. How many times do we miss hope and remain in a state of hopelessness because we haven't consecrated ourselves to be servants of the living God and to serve with an awareness of His Spirit working in us and through us? You know, when I was in college, I hoped that one day I would be married. I really did. And in our own finite minds, I didn't want the Lord to return Now, if we understood what heaven was all about, we wouldn't say this, right? But in our own finite minds, I didn't want the Lord to return until I was married and had a family because I looked forward to family more important than I looked forward to ministry. I mean, it really was. Family was a bigger deal to me, and it still is, than the ministry God had called me to. But yet I knew God was calling me to ministry and that he was calling me to prepare for ministry. And I was at a revival that I was supposed to be at, when a pastor by the name of Larry Wynn said, you need to reconsider and pray about going to Southeastern Seminary, revival's happening up there. And so I reconsidered and prayed about going to Southeastern Seminary where revival was happening. And God led me to go to school there to continue to pray for the ministry. Now that was hard because at that time there were about 450 men and 14 women at Southeastern Seminary. So you're not going to find a wife at Southeastern Seminary. But on a Wednesday night, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and finding me a church with a Bible study. And I met a young lady who was not my future wife, but she said when she went back to her apartment in Saltina, I met your husband and introduced us later. I was doing what God called me to do in serving and worshiping him. And in that context, the hopes and the dreams that I had for family just became a blessing of the overflow of me. And yet so many of the things that we hope for, we miss out on because we're not serving him. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We put our hope in him, serving him with an awareness of his presence. What if I had not taught that middle school boys class? 1989, in a mobile unit beside Trinity Baptist Church. Sunday school director, George Eastko. Pastor Robbie. I mean, well, you didn't call me pastor at that time. I was preacher boy, Robbie. 7th and 8th grade boys, right? What if I had not taught that class? What if I had not gone on that mission trip to Haiti? What if I hadn't gone to school? What if I hadn't knocked on the door to share the gospel? What if I hadn't called a friend, and invited them to church? What if you had not invited that teammate, that friend, that classmate? What if you had not been in worship on that particular day? What if you stopped serving God and miss out on the hope of the world? Hope is serving with an awareness. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope by growing weary and well-doing. Finally, hope is sharing with an amazement. After this praising of God, Simeon, it says uh, by, by Simeon in verse 33, his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. It goes on to say that Simeon blessed them, told his mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed. In other words, he's going to face great trial and opposition. He came into his own, but his own received him not, right? And then he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul. See, Mary would be there on that day by the cross when her son was crucified, and it would be like a sword piercing her own soul as she watched her son die. He said that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He is going to make all things right. He will be the righteous judge. Things will seem hopeless, but the resurrection of your Son will prove that He was the virgin-born Messiah and that He is the Savior of the world and that He will judge all of mankind. Take hope in this Mary. It says that Mary and Joseph, they were hearing these words with amazement, but Simeon was sharing these words with amazement, and this world needs for us to hear during the Christmas season again and again these words with amazement, and the world needs for you and for me to leave this place this morning and share the hope of the world with an amazement in our heart that God is revealing himself to us and that God is revealing himself now Through us, as we take the hope of the world to the world. You know, psychologists tell us that there's nine types of hopelessness. And all nine types of hopelessness threaten three basic needs that humans feel that they have. We need attachment. We need control over our situation. Attachment to people, but control over our situation. And we need survival. That's why they say humans live, right? Because our, our need for attachment, our need for control, and our need for survival. And then there are nine types of hopelessness that threaten these basic human needs. And many of you have felt one of these nine. And the gospel answers every single one. The advent of Christ and the message of hope in the second advent The first coming, the second coming of Christ, answers all nine of these, and psychologists are missing it. The first two are alienation and forsakenness, and Jesus is the one who says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. The next two are being uninspired and powerlessness, uninspired and powerlessness, How about these words from Acts 1-8? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. We find inspiration and power in the mission and empowerment that Jesus Christ has given us. The fifth one is oppression, when we just totally feel crushed by life. Paul tells us that when we're being crushed and we're surviving, that the, the death of Christ is something that we're bearing, but the life of Christ is constantly being manifested within us. That resurrection hope is what gives us life. The sixth one is the limitations, whether it's physical or mental or material. Those limitations bring us to a place of hopelessness. But when Paul cried out about the thorn in the flesh and his own limitations to get rid of that thorn in the flesh, Jesus responded, I'm not getting rid of the thorn, but I'm going to tell you, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It's in your weakness that I'm going to be made strong. So we find hope in all of these. The the seventh one is doom, a, a belief that the very worst is going to happen, and sometimes it actually does. Jesus, being crucified, looks at a thief on the cross beside him, who had repented and put his faith and trust in Christ and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to the one who was doomed, today you will be with me in paradise. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. There's nothing in this world that can take that away from me. The next one is captivity, entrapment. When we feel like Our hands are tied. Sometimes it's in literal bondage. Sometimes there's other situations that hold us back. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the final area of hopelessness that people experience this side of heaven is helplessness, where we feel so vulnerable that no one can help us in our situation. And I'm reminded of what the author of Hebrews says, we have this hope. Speaking of the gospel, speaking of Jesus Christ, we have this hope as an anchor to the soul that reaches beyond the veil. What veil? That veil that separated for so many years man from the very presence of a holy God. That veil that was torn from top to bottom when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Now we know that our hope is anchored in Jesus Christ, steadfast and sure. And we can be steadfast, immovable. Unshakable for the kingdom of God because of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Do you have that hope this morning? Do you struggle with any of those areas of hopelessness? Are you seeking Him? Are you serving Him? Are you sharing Him? Would you bow your heads with me today?